Welcome to this week's Energy Show. It's been a really rainy winter here in California. Now, most of the state no longer is in drought conditions. That's just kind of fairly recent. The snowpack's way above normal. It even snowed in the Bay Area. Santa Cruz Mountains had snow on them. Route 17 was, was snowy. Mount Hamilton, Mount Diablo, lots of other places. The reservoirs are refilling and the groundwater is recharging. So that's really good. It's also been really cold in the Midwest. The polar vortex has kind of come down into much of the... U.S., especially the central and east coast. And it's very snowy in other parts of the country, east coast. Even Seattle was devastated with big snowstorms. And kind of looking back to the temperature, 2018 was the fourth hottest year on record globally. So the summers are getting hotter and the winters are, are not as cold. And finally, kind of putting the, the icing on this cake is that it's been a smoky fall in California. There was terrible wildfires in Northern California and down in Los Angeles. So it really has an impact on what goes on with your solar system. Several of our customers have contacted us because they're saying, hey, you know, November, December, the output of our systems were slightly below expectations. And these are usually new customers who really haven't seen much of a trend line yet. And yeah, I had to explain to them that it's been rainy and cloudy and even smoky in the fall and early winter. And that's had an impact on their system. It really has a significant impact. You know, it's funny, even more customers who have battery backup systems contacted us. And they were contacting us for a different reason. They were contacting us kind of just to wave the flag. Really proud that they had power during the blackout. Their TVs are still working. They still had hot water. They still had heat, even though the power went out. And usually these power outages were because of storms, because of storms knocking down electrical wires or, or trees falling down onto the wires. So they're happy and they're telling their neighbors that they have solar with batteries and they've got nearby customers who we did installations for that are next to these battery customers. They're saying, I want a battery too. So it's, it's really good solutions to these issues, 21st century solutions to these issues. So on this week's show, we're going to be talking about how weather affects solar. Now, you really can't do anything about weather. I mean, we're, we're helpless to do anything about weather, unless, of course, our name is Dr. Evil, and you know, some of those villains are, have machines that can change the weather. So we can't change the weather. At least we haven't figured out how to do that yet in the real world. But we can prepare for bad weather, and we can prepare for a changing climate. And making a distinction here, weather is different than climate. When you know you have a few rainy days or it's unusually hot or cloudy or things like that, weather is really looking at the short-term atmospheric conditions. Climate really tracks the long-term effects and the long-term temperature, long-term rain, long-term snowfall. And also keep in mind, and sometimes people confuse when they talk about solar performance and weather, they're talking about tree shading and things like that. No, it's, we're just talking about, right now, we're just talking about weather. We can't do anything about the climate, but there are considerations that you can take into to see what's happening with your solar system based on changes in weather. Now, let's look at it very specifically with your solar panels. The so solar panels are affected by what I term as weather in three different ways. First of all, they're affected by clouds. And smoke. That's going to decrease the incident solar energy that hits the panel. Second, they're going to be affected by temperature. And third, that's the, the output of the solar system is going to be affected by soiling or dirt on the panels. And the dirt on the panels actually is affected by weather because the, the panels get cleaned off when it rains. So if you have a lot of rain, 
you're not going to have a lot of soiling. You're going to have better performance. Whereas in some places, like, like here in Northern California, Southern California, desert areas, there's a lot of soiling because it basically doesn't rain from, say, you know, March or April until October. So we have a very, very dry season during that time. The panels panels get dirty from dust. Okay, so first, regarding soiling or dirt on the panels, it's really an issue of rain that's going to clean that off. Now, if it's not going to rain, like here in the San Jose Bay Area, you can do something about it. You can clean your panels. So if God's not cleaning the panels, if she's not causing the rain to come down really hard, then you can manually clean those panels. Now, also keep in mind that a little sprinkle of rain is going to do nothing to cleaning the panels other than kind of smearing the dirt and the mud around. What you need is a really heavy rain. And the great thing about rain for cleaning the panels is the rain is very, the rainwater is very soft. There's no there's not a lot of minerals in the, that water. So after a heavy rainstorm, as long as you don't have really baked on calcified dirt, your panels are going to be almost as clean as when they came from the factory. And we've done several radio shows and podcasts on the issues of soiling and how you clean your panels and how you can calculate whether or not you should pay somebody to get them cleaned. But just to suffice. I said to say that if you're in rainy areas of the country, that's most of the country and most of the coastal areas, rain's going to clean the panels every time you get a good thunderstorm. It's funny. I talk to my friends who are in Florida or, or back in Jersey, and, and you know, I ask, hey, are you cleaning your solar panels? And they're like, no, we don't need to clean the solar panels. They really don't get that dirty because every week or two, there's a, a rainstorm that's heavy enough to clean those panels off. But in the dry parts of the country, like here in California, it's often worth cleaning the panels periodically. So our advice is to clean the panels if you have a medium-sized system, yeah, say over 10 kilowatts or a large commercial systems, you want to do a good cleaning every few years and more often if you're in a dusty area. If you have a small system, I find that cleaning in the middle of the summer, say, you know, June or even May, a lot of times you want to clean it after the pollen drops down. But if you have a small system, say three or four or five kilowatts, and it's going to cost two or three hundred dollars to clean the panel, your output isn't going to increase that much. And it might not even be worth cleaning a small system, at least paying somebody to professionally clean it. Now, if you want to clean the system yourself, certainly possible to do that. I suggest you listen to one of our podcasts about cleaning, but just kind of in a nutshell, never hose off the panels from a garden hose. I mean, it kills me. I see even big solar companies recommending that you hose the panels off. Big no-no. We've gone back and seen calcification on those panels because the water can be hard. And that hard water, there's some minerals in there. It precipitates out and you get this almost impossible to remove white film on the panel. We couldn't remove it. These panels were ruined. Always use a soapy solution. Use a squeegee. Use a light brush. Be really, really careful on the latter. Okay. So the most important factor when it comes to the weather impact on solar performance is the intensity of the sunlight on the panels. That's the most important thing. We call it insulation. Solar like solar. Not insulation like, you know, keeping the insulating your walls. Insulation. Then the average insulation from the sun 93 million miles away by the time that energy gets here the average 
power density is 1,000 watts per square meter. So if you take a square meter, a little bigger than a square yard, and you measure how much power is coming down from the sunlight, it's 1,000 watts. And that's only, only if the power is coming down exactly perpendicular to the sun. Obviously, solar panels are almost always tilted, and if they're tilted, they get less power. So if the sun's at an angle, let's say at a 14-degree angle or, or an 18-degree angle, that's a 412 roof. That would be 18 degrees. Instead of getting 1,000 watts hitting that panel, you're only going to get about 190 watts. You lose about 5%. I think the, the cosine of uh, 18 degrees is 90.95. And so that's you lose a little bit. Now, that's in terms of the incident energy on the panel. The next thing is you have to see how much is converted into the solar energy. So if you have, say, a 200-watt panel and you're losing 5%, you're only getting 190 watts. Now, in the solar industry, we use something called an irradiance meter or a pyranometer, and that's basically a solar cell that compensates for temperature. And I was kind of going around and testing and seeing, you know, what's the amount of solar energy, the, the insulation under different weather conditions. Now, regularly on a bright, sunny day, you know, around noon, we'll see about 1,000 watts, 980 watts per square meter. That's what this little display thing says when you put this the solar cell perpendicular to the sun. When the sun's lower on the horizon, even if you tilt the, the little pyranometer a little bit, the light is attenuated by dust in the air, so you're going to see less than you would, say, around noon. It's kind of interesting that people say, oh, you know, it's it's kind of, I should get a lot of sun even if it's partly cloudy. I should get a lot of power. Well, the, your human eyes are very, very sensitive. It kind of tricks you. That even though you can see perfectly, there's not enough sunlight to turn a freaking solar panel on. The eye has a dynamic range of a million to one. We can see an extremely, extremely dim star. There's just like a few photons hitting the back of your retina. And we can also see in bright sunlight. Your pupil contracts and, and opens and adjusts to be able to handle really bright conditions and really dark conditions. So even when it's partly hazy, your eyes can see fine, but the solar panel output could be down significantly. So this fall, when there were fires in Northern California, we were seeing haze here in San Jose, even though the fire was 200 miles away. At the peak of the fire, it was actually overcast. I mean, it was kind of like a, a foggy, cloudy day. You could still see shadows. It was still sunny. And I measured the insulation. It was around 600 to 800 watts per square meter. So we were losing about 30%. We could really smell the smoke. But it was kind of like that for a week. Some days were worse than others. Eventually, it, it all went away when the fires went down, the, the weather cleared. But you're just looking at what smoke can do. And that was only for a week, fortunately. But cloudy, rainy days are much more common. Like today, I drove into the office. I almost had to take a boat on 880. So here's some data from my handy pyranometer. First, to get started... The reading of the pyranometer, the amount of sunlight in my office when I turned the thing on, was zero, even with ordinary fluorescent lighting. So I can work at my desk. I can read. I'm working on my computer. I got ordinary fluorescent lighting. Heck, I'm, I'm here in the studio now, but if I turn the pyranometer on, the reading would be zero. And no surprise. I mean, we, we make these little gadgets with propellers and solar cells on them, and the, the propellers won't even spin from ordinary lighting, even if you move it really close to the light. But if you go outside, even on a cloudy day, the reading kind of went up a little bit. It was five watts a square meter. So not even 1% of the sun intensity. 
So if I kind of brought a little solar gadget outside, probably wouldn't even spin. I look at the monitoring for the three different solar systems we have on our, our roof here at Cinnamon Energy Systems, and none of them had even turned on. So, you know, the inverters were still active. I pushed the button, and it would just basically show zero. Now, on an overcast day, you know, it was just kind of very, very light rain, or maybe there's rain, you know, nearby, but there was a little bit of sun. Then you might get about 5% of the sun intensity. Still, the system's really not going to generate that much. 50 watts per square meter. And, you know, you really want hundreds of watts a square meter. And it's also interesting in, in low light conditions in the early morning at dawn and late afternoon and dusk, even though you can see and there seems to be pretty good light, you can read the newspaper if you're reading the newspaper, there's very little solar energy that's available that can be captured by the panels. And also keep in mind when the sun's at a really low angle, it's at a very weak situation. You're not going to get much light hitting the panel on a parallel basis. So the panels aren't going to generate any significant power early in the morning. And they're not going to generate a lot of power from diffuse light. So here's my rule of thumb. If you can see a distinct shadow, your system's probably working pretty well. If you don't see a distinct shadow, then the system's probably not producing meaningful power. You go under a tree, you're not going to see a shadow. The tree's shading the shadow. Don't put the solar panel there. So when our customers were worried about their solar output over the last few months, the biggest factor that when I kind of drilled down to it was clouds and rain. Okay, the, the second factor that has an impact on the output of your solar system is temperature. Solar cells put out more power when they're cooled. Like any conductors, electric resistance increases with heat. More heat, more resistance, less solar cell output. And it's funny because PV panels behave exactly opposite compared to solar thermal panels. Solar thermal panels, what you use to heat your pool or domestic hot water, obviously they work better when it's hot. PV panels work better when it's cool. All solar panels have a rating parameter called the temperature coefficient that measures how the voltage on the panels gets higher as the temperature goes down. And when the temperature goes up, the voltage goes lower. Lower voltage, less power output. So we usually see the highest system output on cool sunny days, often in the late spring, late spring and fall. And we see lower peak kilowatt output on really hot days in July and August. Now, in July and August, you've got more sun hours, so a lot of times you're going to collect more energy during that day. But the actual performance of the panel is going to be less. Now, the temperature effects are really significant with, with solar tile systems or solar shingle systems. Why? Because they're attached directly to the roof surface. The roof surface gets kind of hot. There's no room for air circulation. So these solar shingles have significantly less output. And that's also why, with solar panel systems, these glass panels with aluminum frames, they're raised a few inches off of the roof. That way we get more air circulation. So once the panels are more than about an inch and a half off the roof, the air circulation's pretty good. And that's one of the reasons why we don't like to install array skirts, because they block the air circulation. And also these skirts at the bottom of the panels, even though they kind of make it look sleek, they're going to collect leaves and debris, and they, they could cause some problems. All right. What about snow? Well, obviously, if your panels are covered in snow, the output's going to be very low. Hey, that rhymes. Okay. But there's another factor with snow called albedo. Kind of reminds me of albino, probably a similar Latin root. Albedo is the measure of the reflectivity of a surface. So just to some numbers here, ocean water has an albedo of 6%. That means the water absorbs 94% of solar energy. Sea ice has an albedo of 60%. So 60% 
of the solar that hits sea ice is reflected. And it's one of the reasons why when the ice melts on the, in the polar ice caps, more energy is absorbed by the water. It causes more, more global warming, essentially. Now, we're not putting solar panels in the Arctic area, but we are putting them in the desert. The desert sand has an albedo of 40%. Now, why do I talk about snow? Because snow has an albedo of 90%, very reflective. So if the surrounding area has a high albedo, if you have your solar panels um, on a ground mount or even on a roof, and there's a lot of snow on there, everything's going to seem brighter, and you're going to get more solar energy. That's why you need sunglasses when you go skiing, high albedo. And the solar output's going to be higher when there's snow on the ground than if there's no snow on the ground. And the solar output's going to be higher in desert areas where the sand is somewhat reflective. Okay, so basically with snow, if it's on the panels, output's low. But if the snow's on the ground, output's going to be a little higher. And also keep in mind, it's usually going to be cold, so it's going to be good. All right, so here's the bottom line. Your actual performance of your solar system is going to be significantly impacted by weather. Now, the weather is changing year to year. It's going to be really hard for you to kind of sort out, you know, what's going on here. Is the weather affecting um, change in system performance? Yeah, you might anecdotally say it's cloudy, it's been really hot, there's a lot of rain. But just without a monitoring system, you're really not going to be able to, to see the actual kilowatt hour differences. Because the differences in annual weather changes are really only just a few percentage points. So you'll need to have monitoring in order to figure out how weather is affected your solar panel system. Yeah, you can go out in one day and say, hey, it's been rainy and I'm not getting any system output, but the monitoring is really going to make a difference. Now, the bigger issue is people call us because they say, hey, my utility bill went up. Well, there's two big factors that are really going to make a difference in your utility bills. It's almost never, ever, ever to do with the solar. The first is rates keep going up. So I got customers that we put systems in almost 20 years ago, and you know their electric rates have, have doubled. Their, their bills have doubled, even though they have solar. Well, the reason is the solar is still kind of cranking along, maybe losing less than half a percent a year, a little bit, but not much. And the biggest factor is utility rates have doubled, and, and the rates also go up in sneaky ways. The, the utility doesn't just say, hey, we're now going to charge 40 cents a kilowatt hour instead of 20, although they do that over a period of time. Basically, they, they have changes in the baseline charges or the time of use changes. They may charge you more for electricity in the afternoon, or they kind of play games and they say, for the average customer, the rates only went up 2%, but the non-average customer, the people you know, that with air conditioning in the Central Valley or people with a big house or people with a swimming pool, they're, they're in the top rate tiers. They crank those rate tiers up really high. So that's the first thing. The second is, when I kind of look at customers, the usage of your appliances and your HVAC see throughout the year really changes. So almost in every case I've ever looked at where I kind of dig into a customer's electric bill, the building's energy consumption varies much more than the solar output due to the weather. Now, when the customers complain that the solar output is down and the system's not performing, they're just looking at their electric bill. They're not looking at the monitoring generally. Because if they look at the monitoring, we're almost in every case doing great. It's almost always because of high electric rates, higher electric rates, or more HVAC use. Or maybe the kids are home from college or things like that. You've got some people moving into the house or your mother-in-law moves in and she has an electric heater. That happened to me. Only one time did I ever see a definite problem with solar when somebody's electric rates went up. And that was because 
we replaced an inverter on an old sun power system, and we forgot, our mistake, we forgot to set that inverter to a positive ground. That's what those old sun power systems need. Um, and the system kind of lost about 15 or 20% of its output. We, we figured that out. So basically, don't pay attention to what your utility says you sold back to the grid. That amount is what is net metered, the difference between what the house consumed and the solar generated. The only way to track the performance of your solar system is with kilowatt hour monitoring, with a monitoring system, like with Solar Edge or Enphase or some separate systems like that. That way it's easier for you to track your year by year generation. You can run reports. You can say, how much energy did I produce last August compared to this August? How much did we produce in 2017 compared to 2018? And then you can try and normalize it for weather uh, and normalize it for a decline in system performance. But the decline in your system performance is almost always less than half a percent a year. I've got one customer who tracked his data carefully for 15 years and over a 15-year time frame. No problem with the system. Panels were great. Inverters were great. He only saw a 0.4% decline over that entire time frame. So basically, the systems are just going to work pretty reliably. And as far as weather, it's going to have an impact mostly because of insulation, because of less sunlight hitting it, and uh, maybe because your systems are dirty. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast.